You're listening to the Grace City Boston podcast. If you would like to know more about our church, you can visit our website at gracecityboston.com or follow us on social media at Grace City Boston. Now, let's get to the sermon. The spiritual habit of prayer and basically coming around this idea that um, prayer is a, a found out, uh, kind of a foundational thing when it comes to uh, our Christian uh, discipleship, and so it's one of those things that uh, everybody does, whether a believer, atheist, agnostic, like in some way and in some form, uh, people find themselves comfortable with this idea of prayer, this idea of vocalizing uh, either internally or externally uh, something uh, out loud. And uh, of all the things that um, the earliest followers of Jesus, so these men and women who are kind of running around with Jesus, doing ministry with him, of all the things that they ask of him, the one thing that they ask to be taught how to do is pray. And so there's something about the prayer life of Jesus, this habit of his, that is so uh, marking to the earliest followers that they basically said, whatever, whatever you have inside of you, I need to get in me. Like whatever kind of prayer life, whatever it's kind of, it, it's, it's apparently doing something. We're, we're observing you. We're seeing your life. We're seeing you step away. We're, we're hearing you pray. We're hearing you both pray out loud to the Father. We're probably hearing you pray kind of underneath your breath in moments, right? Um, and, and so they just say to him, will you, you teach us how to pray? Will you give us insight into this part of your, your life? We need help, and we want to uh, embrace that. And out of that, we get something called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so the Lord's Prayer is a very kind of popular teaching out of Matthew chapter 6, out of the Sermon on the Mount um, from uh, Jesus. And so wh- what's interesting, just kind of, kind of, we're kind of systematically working our way through it. And so just to kind of summarize a little bit of uh, what we looked at last week. And Molly Ann read it. I'll, I'll read it again here in a moment. But um, here's kind of the, the layout of the Lord's Prayer. So the first part of the Lord's Prayer is, is essentially asking, um, is working to get us into the reality of God. So it's, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? So these, these, these uh, pronouns here, your, 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 they're working us into the reality of God. This is, this is that, that part of the prayer. Eugene Peterson, uh, he, he writes this. He says, the first three uh, petitions make us participants in the being and the action of God. So we're working into the being and the action of God. And, and then we're going to get into the, the, the kind of last three concluding things. And, and it's basically asking God to return the favor, right? So it's kind of like we're, 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 we're trying to get into the reality of God's kingdom. And then the, the second part of the prayer that Jesus is teaching us is essentially asking God to get into our reality. Get into our world. Like be, be a part. He continues on. He says, um, prayer involves... Uh, us deeply and responsibly in all the operations of God. Prayer also involves, right, so there's an invitation for us to get into the operations of God, and then prayer also involves God deeply and transformedly in all the details of our lives. This is uh, the Lord's prayer. This is the the format of what it's uh, looking like, and so I want to work our way into kind of the second part of the prayer, but but I do want to say we were talking about in our uh, married house church, our family house church this past week, uh, about the Lord's Prayer and kind of how it works and things like that. 
and, and people kind of leverage the Lord's Prayer in different ways, right? So I jokingly kind of said uh, uh, last week that my soccer coach would cuss us out and then lead us into the Lord's Prayer, right? That was kind of like the thing we did on the athletic field, which, I'm, you know, is a thing. Uh, I, so that's not so much one of my examples, uh, but that is a way that people do it. Um, but let me give you kind of three ways in which people have kind of leveraged the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so some people... Um, they'll take the Lord's Prayer, and uh, they'll, they'll be, and this is a pretty regular method for using it, is they'll use it for a framework for regular daily praying. So they'll take kind of each kind of clause, if you will, and they'll kind of roll it around, right? So they'll get to uh, kingdom come, right? And they'll think, God, will you, um, would you be in this area of the world? Would you bring peace in this area of the world? And, and so they're just kind of working through these various aspects, right? So our Father, they're kind of meditating on the reality of our Father, how, and so they're kind of using each of these as a part of a way to uh, pray uh, kind of throughout the day as like a framework. Uh, this, the second way that some people use the Lord's Prayer is, is a bit more kind of like a kind of like an Orthodox Jewish prayer situation where um, they're just meditating on the prayer all day. And they're kind of repeating it to themselves. They're kind of letting it get kind of in their body, in their soul, and in their mind. And, and so they're just our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be. And they're just kind of rolling it around uh, throughout the day, just kind of repeating it and meditating on it. Um, th- this can, you know, this can somewhat be a difficult kind of uh, method for us because we live in a very fast-paced kind of complex world and we got all kinds of distractions. Um, but, but it's a, a really valuable way to use the Lord's Prayer to just kind of slowly um, kind of ingest it. And then the, the third way that people tend to use it um, is they'll, they'll basically take one kind of statement and they'll pray throughout the week, um, and that'll be kind of their prayer of the day, right? So maybe Monday or Sunday is our Father, Monday is um, holy is your name, Tuesday is thy, thy kingdom come, there will be done, Wednesday is give us this day. And so they'll take as kind of a theme for their day one of these various aspects of the Lord's Prayer and kind of bring into focus um, all of these different things. And so these are just t- kind of typical ways that people will use it. Okay, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into it. Um, we'll dive into our text this morning and get into the, the part we're looking at. Uh, Father, we thank you. Thank you that you speak to us, um, that you've been speaking, that you still speak to us, Father, um, that you use your scripture to communicate, God. And so, so we just need help this morning. We, we just invite the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit's uh, help to understand prayer in in a lot of ways it's confusing to us it's a bit of a mystery uh, if we're honest we can get bored with it uh, father and so would you help us we we see it as an important aspect of our christian kind of discipleship and fellowship with you um father and so just give us insight this morning uh, encourage us uh, move us in a direction that looks more like christ we pray this in christ's name amen all right matthew 6 uh, 9 through 15 uh, here's how it starts It says, therefore, you should pray like this. So they're asking him to teach him. So he says, here's how I want you to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so 9 and 10, this is that uh, get us into God's reality part. So so it says, uh, our Father, recognizing you're in heaven, we're recognizing your name is honored as holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done. So this is get us into your reality, God, in 9 and 10. And then verse 11, here's kind of the turn on the back end of the the prayer. It says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts 
as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Okay, so this morning, last week we looked at prayers of intercession. Uh, This morning we're looking at um, prayers of petition or what you would call supplication. And, And prayers of supplication or petition in its most basic form is asking God for help. If you're going to define this type of prayer. So last week, prayers of intercession is praying for others. So it's putting the, ga- the gaze of our prayers kind of towards on, on others. This week, supplication and petition in its most basic form is to ask God for help. The word pray comes from the Middle English to ask earnestly or from the Latin to, um, to entreat. Now, he- here's, the, here's the reality when it comes to prayers of supplication and petition. If we were to go around the room most of us would probably have a black belt in prayers of supplication, would we not? <laughs> like, if, 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 if we were just kind of go around and be like, let's, you know, talk about your prayer life, how are you doing with prayers of supplication? Most of us would go, bro, I got the, I'm dialed in. Asking God for stuff? I'm dialed in. Like, I got that part, like, no problem. I've totally nailed that in. I feel really good about that, right? You're just kind of like, I got my, uh, you know, I got my list of things. I'm going to God. It's like an Instacart, so I'm just ready for it to receive. Like, I'm just going to give it to you, receive it. Right? All of us, if we went around the room, that would be kind of the, the thing. We would say, I, man, I've got, I, asking God for stuff? Yeah. Spiritually mature. Right? All of us. All of us would say that. Right? And, and in a lot of ways, here's an, in, it's an interesting test, right? If you were to kind of measure your, your maturity uh, in your prayer life. So if you were to say, man, I'm trying to, let me get underneath what kind of level of prayer life I have. If you're looking at the maturity of your prayer life, a lot of that will be judged by, um, how much of your prayer life is, is simply petition and supplication, right? So, so if kind of the theme of your prayer life is just simply petition and supplication and, and, and essentially asking God for help all the time or asking God for this or, or asking God for that, it tells you a lot about where you're kind of spiritually at when it comes to your uh, prayer life. That's just the, the reality. I have a, a five-year-old son. The basis of our relationship, right, the basis of the relationship with my five-year-old son is this, dad, can I have ice cream? Dad, can I have a popsicle? Dad, right? 6 a.m., dad, can I have ice cream? Right? It's, it's, that's the level of, dad, can we play Smash Brothers? Dad, like it's, it's there's, like, our, my communication with my five-year-old son is rooted around him asking me for something and, and with the hopes that I'm going to say yes. That, that's like a deep level, right? My son, we're not sitting down. He's not, you know, um, uh, he's not sitting with me and going, I just really, um, I really, I have a huge heart for global missions, and if we could pray for the indigenous tribe of, right, my father's not doing that, right? It's like, dad, give me something, I need something, like, I, 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 I need to receive it. Now, I have a, a 12-year-old daughter, uh, she'll, be, she'll be 12 on Saturday, so her birthday is coming Saturday, and um, our relationship is changing when it comes to conversation, right? It, it's not, prim- now, listen, there's still a lot of asking, right? That's not quite gone away yet. Um, but but there's, a, there's, a, there's a level of, of kind of talking about uh, things, it kind of engaging her heart, her trying to figure out her kind of who she is and like her makeup and what that, like literal makeup and uh, otherwise makeup, you know. And, and so we're having all of these conversations and it's, it's not primarily based around what I can do for her, but it's, it's, it's our relationship is maturing. Does that make sense? We're maturing. And, and so the way in which you can kind of, judge or think about your prayer life and maturity of your prayer life is what level 
inside of my prayers is simply uh, supplication and petition uh, to God. Now, it's important, and, and we're going to talk about this more. I'm not disagreeing with Jesus here, right? That's crazy. Um, it is important. I just, I just want to make it on the front end just say we're pretty good at this particular thing. And so I want us to look at why it's important and why it, uh, why it has power, uh, this idea of asking, petitioning uh, God. Uh, Francis Grimke says this about the power uh, of prayer. He says, there's nothing clearer in the word of God than the fact that there is power in prayer, that through it, effects may be produced, uh, that definite results may be accomplished. Eugene Peterson writes this about uh, petition and the role that it plays in the life of the Christian. He says, praise and thanksgiving are always appropriate, certainly. And it's certain that our final prayers will all be praise, right? So heaven will be reverberating with our amens and hallelujah. So uh, he's saying, listen, where we're going in heaven, there will not be intercession. There will not be supplication and petition. It will be praise. No need to ask God for something. You're in his presence, right? So he says it will be amens and hallelujahs. He says, so practicing the scales of praise is always a, a good idea. That's why, why we do it here. He says, but for here and now, we mostly ask. God taught us to ask. And so if you're looking at the majority of Jesus' teachings on prayer, um, they were about um, asking, about how to ask, about when to ask, and in what manner to ask in. So we're not pushing it off to the side and saying it's not something that we embrace. It very much is something that we need to work into our Christian discipleship formation and development. Karl Barth says it this way. Um, it is a fact that man comes before God with his uh, petition, which makes him a praying man or praying woman. Other theories of prayer may be richly and profoundly thought out and may sound very well, but they all suffer from one certain artificiality because they miss this simple and concrete fact, losing themselves in heights and depths where there is no place for man who really prays, who is simply making a request. So he just says, man, we can fill our prayer life with all these kind of fancy words and things that don't really even make sense to us. He just says, at the end of the day, we're a praying people. We're bringing our requests before God. We're, we're, we're asking um, God these things. One of, the, um, one of the things we talked about in our, our group this past week is basically the content um, of our prayers and, and what that looks like. And, and, and really the question was surrounding how big or how little of prayers do you make before God? Like that's the question, right? It's like the, the ultimate question is, do I pray that I'll get a parking spot on Newberry, right? Like is that a legitimate prayer? Does God want to, you know, do I pray that the train will be there when I, like th those are, these are kind of the questions what we're asking, um, do these little small daily prayers matter? kind of batting this question around. Um, when I was in high school, let me, maybe this will help. When I was in high school, uh, I worked at this little cafe uh, called uh, Capri, and it was like a, um, a little kitchen diner situation. It had about 20 seats in it. We would do breakfast and lunch, right? Shut it down at lunch. Two, at two, 2 p.m., we're done. We're out of here, right? And so um, I was working in this kitchen, and, uh, and so I would show up. I worked with a lady named Shirley. I'd never met Shirley before. Uh, she was an uh, older black lady in our community, and had never, uh, had never met anyone in my entire life like her. And so Shirley, uh, here, here's what I learned about her. So I was about 17 or whatever. And so Shirley would come in, and she would bring the Spirit of God into the kitchen with her. Do you know what I mean? Like she was this kind of lady. And, and she would bring it in. And so I'm with her. Where there's just two of us, right? So we've got like the, the flat grill here. We've got like the prep station here. 
you know, we've got this kind of area, deep fryer here because I grew up in the south. And so we've got that situation, like the whole, the whole situation. So Shirley would come in, like carrying the spirit of God. And I would both hear her kind of verbalize it or even under her breath, she would just be like praying, just kind of praying over the stuff, you know. So we're prepping, getting ready, and she's just like bringing it to the Lord, right, just all this stuff. And I, and I remember thinking, 17, you know, I'm, so I'm newer in my faith. And um, I'm kind of getting into, like, theology, and I'm getting into, like, apologetics and, and all of these kind of, you know, intellectual kind of pursuits and, and, and processing all of this stuff. And, and I just remember, you know, thinking, I was like, man, Shirley, that's, you know, that's really sweet. You know, I don't, I, God's pretty busy. I'm not sure he's concerned about whether the girl is running 450 or not. You know, like, I just could, I just, it was just, I'm not verbalizing that, but I'm just kind of like, you know, he's got, kind of some stuff going on in the world over here and and he's he's got you know the the plight of the poor over here i mean i'm not thinking about the plight of the poor at 17 but like i know god is like that's on his brain and he's you know and so i'm just kind of thinking I, I think god's got you know a lot bigger things than to hear our, our little bitty tiny prayers right and, and and what i've learned as i've gotten older is is i've really realized how wrong i was um i assumed that God only cared about really um, large things. And as I've gotten older, I'm more and more recognizing the fact that God wants our kind of daily bread prayers, that, that both big and small, right? And so the question becomes, do we, do we ask God to give us a parking spot? Do we ask God for an uncrowded train? Uh, do, do we ask God that our, our restaurant would have our, our favorite dish? I, I think the answer to that is yes. And, and the reason that I think the answer to that is yes, like why should we pray for places to park, for uncrowded trains, for favorite dishes, is because we become the kind of people who worship God for open parking spots, a decent ride home, and a good meal to finish out our week. And I think I want to be that type of person. I want to become the type of person who practices thanksgiving daily over the small things. J.I. Packer writes, uh, some regard petitions for personal matters or for personal material needs as low-grade prayer, as if God were not interested in the physical side of life, and we should not be either. But such hyper-spirituality is really an unspiritual ego trip. That's what I had, was an unspiritual ego trip. What I've found is that as I grow in prayer, in my prayer life, is that as I'm, the more and more I'm praying for the little things, the more and more I feel gratitude rise to the surface for the little things. For the big things, certainly, but also for the little things. I, I, I want to practice gratitude for the small prayers that, that seem to be um, answered. Uh, Pete Gregg writes this. He says, it is by, this is such a, <laughs> so good. He says, it is by asking more for lesser things that we rediscover how to live with the wide-eyed wonder of children. By filling our days with tiny prayers, we relinquish our sense of entitlement and receive each detail as a blessing, each coincidence as a minor miracle, training our neural pathways to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus childlike wonder that the psalmist in 104 psalm 104 14 and 15 
says this and thinking about this idea of gratitude for the small things. He causes God. He causes grass to grow for the livestock and provides crops for man to cultivate, producing food from the earth, wine that makes human hearts glad, making his face shine with oil and bread that sustains human hearts. Screwtape in um, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters, and it's basically about an older demon trying to mentor uh, a younger demon about how to uh, make humanity fall. And so they're talking about God. Screwtape is talking about God in this moment. And he says of God with, with disgust, right? You can just feel the disgust in his heart. He says about God, he's a hedonist at heart. It brings him pleasure to give us pleasure. He, he values it. He wants us asking for um, the, the small things here. And, and, and what, I love about, what I love about the Lord's Prayer and the instruction that Jesus gives us is it, it, it really just highlights the relational nature of our relationship with God. Th- this is essentially uh, what he's doing. Because sometimes I think that we forget when we're praying, we're talking to somebody. It, it's not a theory. It's not a superstition. It's not a, a deity that's really far out here. It is a li- living, breathing individual person that we're praying to, that we're speaking to, sending our requests up to. Now, what's interesting is Jesus, um, so there was a very similar Jewish prayer in this day uh, that Jesus' listeners would have been very familiar with. It's called the Kaddish, and um, this, is, he, he, this is one of the three most kind of important prayers of Jewish liturgy in this day. And Jesus is going, uh, well, let me give you this, let me give you this, here's, here's the prayer. It goes like this. It says, magnified and hallowed be his great name. In this world which he created according to his will, and may he establish his kingdom during life. Okay, you see that? It's a very, very kind of popular prayer of the day. Magnify, hallowed his great name in a world which he created by his will, may he establish his kingdom during his life. Now, what you'll notice is that sounds very familiar, very similar to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so look at this next one. Um, you could do a little side by side here. Um, magnified it's it's very similar to the beginning part of the lord's prayer magnify hallowed be right our father in heaven his great name hallowed be your name in a world which you created your kingdom come according to his will your will be done and may he establish his kingdom during your life on earth as it is in heaven so this is what jesus does right he's going to hijack a popular traditional jewish prayer of its day right my wife and i were talking about this and she's like no wonder the religious leaders didn't like, didn't like Jesus, right? So he's going to take this kind of traditional thing that they understand, that they're very familiar with, this traditional liturgy, and, and he's going to begin to kind of use it to work on his teaching and prayer. So one of the things that you'll notice if you're looking at that is that the first part of that prayer seems very distant and impersonal when, when they would be praying. It's, it's very formulaic in that sense, right? So magnified, hallowed, his great name according to his will, May he establish his kingdom. And what you'll notice is Jesus takes that, and and look what he does. He makes it personal. He says, your, as if he's talking to someone. Your, your, your. So it's not distant. It's not simply in the direction of someone. He's he's talking to them, and he says, your, your, your. And so you have this kind of formal religion of the day, and they say, teach us to pray. They're, They're familiar with these prayers, and, and they're saying, teach us to pray. And Jesus takes kind of the beginning part of that prayer and shifts it and turns it and says, 
um, I want you to pray like this. So, so Jesus takes kind of the, the, the vertical axis of this prayer and turns it horizontal. And, and essentially what he does is he, he takes the reverence and kind of the longing of the original prayer and he, he, he adds to it this kind of relational language and practical requests regarding the everyday concerns of ordinary people. So he, he takes the reverence and the longing of the original prayer, and he puts on the relational language and the practical requests regarding the everyday concerns of ordinary people. David uh, talked about this parable when he opened up our series um, but Jesus told a story about prayer that was very ordinary and very everyday. This comes from Luke chapter 11, uh, 5 and 8. I, I'll, let me just summarize it. I, I won't read it all. But, but basically Jesus says, um, prayer is like when a friend comes to the door and knocks on the door and is, is literally asking for daily bread. I mean, this is the example that Jesus gives, right? And so he says, it's like a friend who comes to the door and, and keeps knocking and says, I got, I got a company in town and I need, I'm trying to host them and I need some bread. And, and so Jesus says, this is, this is how you're to adopt prayer. Like you're coming, you're knocking, you're knocking, you're knocking to the extent to where you're bothering, right? It's like bothering the person in, in this parable. They're bothering. The, the person's like, leave me alone. I'm in bed. Quit, quit bothering me, right? And Jesus says, no, you, you keep praying, right? You keep praying to the friend that opens the door and, and brings the bread to you. And so Jesus talking about prayer gives this very like normal daily thing that they would understand. It's not su some super spiritual example he just says no prayer is like the way that i want you to pray is like asking bread from another friend supplication is what kids do when they trust and love the one that they call father this is what supplication is it is what kids do when they trust and love the one that they call father my my, my kids their proximity to me right me as their dad and they as my kids like guarantees that they have an audience with me right like an imperfect father but but guarantees that they have an audience for me that i'm going to uh hear them the book of james has a, a really interesting dialogue on prayer uh, james chapter four look what he says here it's it's fascinating this is in verse one of james four one through three he says what is the source of wars and fights among you don't they come from your passions that wage war within you he says, you desire and do not have, and you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. Now, here's where the second part of two and three, he's going to actually get to into some uh, thoughts on, on prayer here that, that I think can apply to us. Look what he says here. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. And then in verse three, he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Okay, so two things here. He says, there's two reasons that you are not receiving. Now, do not hear me this morning. I do not think this is an exhaustive reason of why God does not answer prayers. Do not take that and be like Pastor Brian said, you know, either I'm not asking or I'm, I'm selfish, right? That's not what I'm saying. But, but James is saying that there are times at which we do not receive either because we do not ask the Father or we ask the Father, but it's selfishly. I mean, th this is here. The, these are kind of the, the, the two options, not asking or asking with wrong motives. Now, 
Um, Jesus' prayer, right? It's a bit confusing, but Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is uh, Matthew 26, 39. This is the prayer that Jesus gives us. Let's look at it as an example of this idea of, of not asking, or really what we'd say is asking boldly while still not um, asking selfishly. Look what happens. This is going a little further. He fell face down and prayed. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. So Jesus is asking. He's boldly asking, God, would you remove this from me? Like he's verbalizing what he wants. He's like, would you remove this from me? It's very direct and very obvious. And then kick to the second where he says this. Yet not as I will but as you will. So he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask. I'm going to make sure I'm asking. But I'm also living in the reality that I want your will done. I'm not asking selfishly. So I'm, I'm surrendering myself to you. I'm, I'm giving myself um, over to you. And, and so there's a balance here as exampled in the life of Jesus. Now, last week we talked about the, the, the need for faith in prayer. And how th- there's a very real reality that our prayers um, don't always get answered. And there's complexity and mystery with prayer. And, and some of you have prayed prayers uh, that God didn't answer. And you, it's created, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Like it, it creates confusion and anger and, and perhaps has created bitterness and sadness in your life. And, and so we talked about last week that there's a certain level of faith that requires being able to say to God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to verbalize these things and, and I'm just going like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that, knowing that, that it may not happen. There's a bit of like complexity in this whole thing that, that, that we call prayer. Th- this is why faith um, is, an, is a necessary thing, right? But, but here's, wh- here's what I've determined for my life. Um, I've determined that uh, if, if there is a desire or need in my life that goes without being fulfilled, so if there's a desire or need in my life that goes without being fulfilled, it will not go without being fulfilled because I didn't ask. I have determined in my heart and in my life to contend in prayer with God. To state my desires. I, I do not, I, you know, I do not want to res- not receive because I did not ask. Like, th- this, is, this is the life I want to live. It, it's the type of people that I um, want to uh, run with. I, I don't want to presume upon God that I know his will by not asking. I, I don't want to say... I don't want to say, well, I must know your will, and, and your will is probably not that, so I'm not going to ask. I, I'm not going to presume upon him. I want to I be the type of person who is an asking person. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If the royal and divine son cannot be exempt from the rule of asking that he may have, you and I cannot expect the rule to be relaxed in our favor. If you may have everything by asking and nothing without Asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. So we ask big things, small things, daily prayers, daily bread. This is what we ask. I, um, I don't know that I've learned more about the power of 
um, supplication and, and petition prayer uh, than I have from the life and ministry uh, of a guy named George Mueller. Uh, so George Mueller was uh, a pastor. Um, he also built orphanages, uh, created schools. I mean, just uh, an incredible ministry and, and life. Um, uh, uh, he started about 117 schools. He cared for, kind of out of time, he cared for about 10,000 orphans, uh, 10,024. I don't want to lose out the 24 there. Um, he educated uh, somewhere, they say, around 120,000 children. So, you, so you, uh, I read a book in, in, um, uh, in seminary called Delighted by God. So his biography on George Mueller and, and kind of doing this. And, and you could think that his legacy would be these orphanages, these schools, this education, this incredible work of, of kind of th this kind of socioeconomic work. You could think that that was his legacy. Wealth disparity, like he's going after all these things. But what's fascinating is what you'll find about him is that was a really important part of his work, but his legacy is actually rooted in his prayer, in his prayer life. Th this is actually what he's... Uh, this is actually what he's known for. Here, here's the way that it worked for him. Um, so instead of a, appealing for money, and instead of making a financial need publicly known, what George Mueller would do would be to go to God in prayer over the needs. Now, this is crazy. I'm not, I, I'm not saying uh, everyone adopts this, you know, lifestyle. This is not what I'm saying, right? Because there, there's parts of that where I can remember reading it going, and give me a life like George Mueller, you know, where I'm just, and then there's other parts of me, I'm like, Lord, keep me from a life like George Mueller, you know, it's like, you're kind of like, if he needs, if he's living where he's got to pray daily, you know what I mean, so, um, amazing, he, he, he got about seven, uh, about 97 million dollars in today's terms, uh, in today's, uh, level of, of getting money, almost 100 million dollars in just praying, just praying, um, there's one story that sticks out uh, in my brain. I can remember reading this, and uh, I, like I can, I vividly remember. I'm sitting, um, I'm, uh, I'm sitting in my bed reading because I'm that holy. And so I'm sorry. So I'm just kidding. I was seminary. I was just, I had to read. Um, so I'm reading it, and I'm like, there's no way this is true. This cannot be real life. What's happening in his, in in his life? I'm like, this has got to be apocrypha. There's no way this is real. Wh here's one story that sticks out. Um, so there's one occasion where he's got 300 orphans in the room. They're sitting around the dinner table. There's no food on the table. George Mueller stands up uh, at this empty table, and uh, he stands up, and he is going to give grace for the food that's not on the table. And so he thanks God in faith for the food uh, that he says that you're going to give us to eat. This is the prayer. This is prayer. I mean, this is the level of faith that he's practicing when it comes to prayer. So he's standing there in his prayer. And then it says that he suddenly hears a knock at the door, and he goes to open the door, and uh, the, uh, baker, the, the town baker is, is there. And, and he basically says, um, hey, I've been up since 2 o'clock this morning, and I felt compelled. And then since 2 o'clock this morning, I felt compelled to, to bring bread to the orphanage. And he's like, could you use it? And, and he, uh, yes, we could use it, right? And, and so the, the baker br brings in the bread that he's been up since 2 a.m. Uh, and, and sits it on the table for the, the orphans of George Mueller. And then it says the, the, the door, a little bit later, the, the door knocked again. And um, the, the local milkman appeared, and he was like on his, he was on his delivery 
he's on his delivery, you know, so they deliver stuff at that point. And he knocks on the door and he goes, um, he's like, my cart broke down outside of your, your orphanage here and I got to get rid of this milk or it's going to go bad. Do you want it? And, and George Mueller goes, um, no, no, I don't. I'm, we're trusting. Yes. He's like, yes, yes. I receive it. Receive it. And then, and then the story goes, the, the, the milkman brings in the milk. And, and so these kids, these 300 orphans, right, they've been marked. They're, the story's coming out of this. Th- his life of faith is incredible. But um, they're literally seeing God provide daily bread in a moment, bread and milk. And, 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 and this, is the, this is the type of faith that God is calling us into. Dallas Willard says, God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he is going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. And, and so the question becomes, why do we ask? Like if God knows our prayers already, why do we ask? If he knows everything already, doesn't he know our requests? Well, do we have to ask according to the ministry of Jesus? Pretty crucial. John chapter 5, 1 through 6. It says, after this, a Jewish festival took place. Jesus went to Jerusalem. And by the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Now, uh, this pool, um, the, the superstition around this pool is that if you could get into the pool, you would be healed. This would make you well again. Verse 3 says, within these uh, lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So there's laying around this, this, this pool. Verse 5. So Jesus is walking up. One man was there. One man who was there had been disabled for 38 years. He's there. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? That sounds like the most ridiculous question I've ever heard in my entire life. Do you want to get well? Jesus is looking at a man lying by a pool who's been disabled for 38 years by a pool that believes to have healing power. And Jesus gets at his level and says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Of course he wants to be healed. Of course he does. It's what's happening in this moment. What's going on in this moment. Jesus wants to hear this man request of the Father his needs. And we see it over and over and over again that the Father wants to hear the request of his kids. Wants to hear them. And so the question is, hear this, we're done. The, the question is, the, the question is not, does he know already? Like, do I bring my stuff to God because he knows already? That's not the question. That's, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, do I trust God enough to say it out loud to him? Do I trust him enough to articulate the need and leave it to him to determine the answer? That's the question. Not does he know already, but do I trust him enough to ask and so let's sit 
in this this morning. Let's take a little bit of time. Uh, maybe you need to, let's kind of close, uh, um, bow our heads, close our eyes. Can I give yourself a little bit of focus this morning? And maybe you're here this morning and you've just not, you've had some stuff in your heart, but you've not been bringing it before God. And so maybe this morning you just need to say to him, Father, this is, this is the need, this is what I want. You just need to explicitly say it to him. And maybe you're here this morning and you're on the other side of that spectrum. And you've been asking for a while. And God's not been answering in the way that you would like. You're, you can identify with Paul who's, God, take this thorn from my flesh. And perhaps you've been asking for a while. And a spirit of bitterness has grown. A spirit of confusion and anger that has grown through that unansweredness. And maybe this morning you just need to say, you just need to say to God, God, would you give me faith to keep asking, keep trusting? Would you give me a measure of faith? I need it. Would you help me?